Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Super excited to hang out with you today. Esther and I are going to jump into our intro question, and then we are so excited to welcome our guest, Kaylin Sprinkle, onto the podcast. So, Esther, what's a current obsession of yours? Currently, I am obsessed with making my house feel so homey. And what that means is we're doing so much painting around the house. So I'm obsessed with going to Home Depot and literally just like standing in the paint aisle and picking out samples. Like I kid you not, I should have just gotten like a book, like a Pantone book of colors that I could just go through. But I have so many freaking samples that are just like pasted all over my walls. And it's really fun. You can make a real life color palette with those. Exactly. Like, I feel like I could create my own little Pantone book out of them. I most recently did a little mural in our guest room. So it's four different shades of a mountain. So you have like all the different layers, mountainscape. And it was just fun to go through and like figure out what colors go together. It's such a like a designer thing to do. And... I loved it so much. I wish that I could be an interior designer as well. I'm really looking forward to owning a home one day. We're still living that military lifestyle of renting. And there's not really much I can do in the way of aesthetics for my house, even with furniture because we move so often. So I dream and my Pinterest also dreams about a day when I can pick out paint colors. So I'm living vicariously through you. Soon, soon. And then I'll come help you because I'm obsessed with it. Yes, yeah. we can have all of our blue and white decor and it'll be amazing. Oh my gosh, so much. You guys can't <laughs> see in my video, but I've started collecting blue and white for my office so that it's branded. Hashtag it's amazing. on brand. On brand. Love. What about you, Jen? What are you currently obsessed with? So mine are, of course, food related. I've recently really been obsessed with Laravars because I listened to an episode on their company from How I Built This, which is a podcast about startups um, and, you know, businesses and how the founders kind of built them from the beginning to the end. Um, And they were talking about like cashew cookie, which is like dates and cashews. Those are the only two ingredients in the bars. And then I actually just had an apple pie one that's like dried apples and then nuts and dates. And oh, they're so good. I'm so bad at eating lunch. And so it's just really nice to kind of grab a bar and then grab like an apple or carrot or something and kind of have a quick snack and then eat an early dinner, which is what I've been loving. But I'm also really obsessed with Spindrift as well. I'm like new to the Spindrift bandwagon. It's like a sparkling water, but it has like real fruit juice in it, just like a little bit of it. So there's like almost no sugar, but it is flavored with like actual lemon juice and like lime juice and raspberry and cherry and stuff like that. So in loving that sounds so yummy. Yeah, it's so good. And also the branding for both of those brands are just amazing. So I feel like that adds to it. Yes. I feel like I resonate a lot with the Spindrift brand because it's just very like playful and colorful. And I feel like that kind of... I don't know. It's my vibe. Yeah. So I feel on brand when I drink them, which is really great for them. Their branding and their messaging is, and their packaging is really working. <laughs> oh yeah. It's really hitting the right places, getting the right people in. Oh yeah. I love that. 
Well, let's jump into introducing Kaylin. Kaylin, thank you so much for being here. We are so happy to have you. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is so fun and I love what we're about to talk about. It's going to be so good. Just a quick intro for Kaylin. She used to be my VA. We worked together for six months at the beginning of 2020 and then she transitioned her business and she'll talk all about that too and the different types of roles that she's had and the different roles that you could have as a VA or a OBM. I mean, there's so many online service providers, so it can be literally anything. But let me read her intro real quick, and then we can just jump into this conversation that's going to be so juicy, so much content in there. So Kaylin is an online business manager from Detroit, Michigan. She has a BFA in musical theater. Seriously, you should like talk to her about that. It's amazing. And she actually started her business on accident, which is wild to me. In May of 2020, she graduated college from her dad's living room, couch, via Zoom. And up till that point, she had worked in a variety of office jobs and found herself craving more creativity on her own terms. And that's when she stumbled upon the virtual assistant world. She started her business in October of 2020. And she discovered that she loves working with designers and educators. So now Kaylin works with multi-six-figure creative entrepreneurs to assist them with biz strategy, social media marketing, content strategy, copywriting, project management, and so much more that we're going to talk about. So yeah, excited to have you. So excited to talk to you guys. It's also just such a full circle moment to be on a podcast with one of my first few clients. Like you just said we were together for six months and I was like, it was only six months. Like it felt like we were together for much longer. It really did. That was one of those client relationships that I was so excited about. And like, I feel like I learned so much over that time and maybe vice versa. So I'm so grateful to be reconnecting with you in this way. But yeah, so when you say that I started my business on accident, I kind of did. And it started like super simply. Um, I just wanted to explain that because that's like, what do you mean by accident? When I was in college, I went to school for musical theater. And musical theater performers need a website when they are having like agents check them out or like sending reels. Like they need basically a home base. It's very professional thing to have. And all my friends were like, I don't know how to operate Squarespace. Will you help me? I don't know how to do this. And I was like, yeah, of course. And they were like, okay, what should I pay you? I was like, just buy me a coffee or something. I don't care. So like that was like my first sort of business transaction, I guess, in a way. And then like all my friends started coming to me for that. And that's how my business started on accident. But yeah, so I went to school for musical theater. And then I graduated during the pandemic. So it was like beginning of 2020 was like everyone went home in college. I was like ready to graduate. And we had just done all of our showcases. And then we were all back in our hometowns. And obviously graduating with a musical theater degree in 2020 was the greatest decision ever because theater happens in person and nothing was happening in person during that time. So I ended up working two part-time jobs. At the time, I was a chiropractic assistant and um, a special needs caregiver. And while I loved those jobs, I loved the people that I worked with. I wasn't like feeling like creatively called and like excited about that. You know, like my creative juices weren't flowing in those jobs as much as I wanted them to be. And I think it was until early August or September of 2020 that I stumbled across Jessica Hawks on TikTok. If you guys don't know who Jessica Hawks is, she is a virtual assistant coach. She started as a VA, I believe, in the beginning of 2020 and transitioned into 
coaching people later in 2020. And she had made a post about like how you can start as a virtual assistant and here's how you do that. And I was like, okay, this sounds too good to be true, but I'm going to follow her along and like think about it a little bit. So obviously like I followed her. I kept like watching and like stalking her and like looking for all of the free information that I could find. I literally kept like a notebook at the time of like how to get started and like all of these notes I was taking on all the free resources. I was stalking her videos and I would just like take pages upon pages of notes, consuming all the free content that I possibly could. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm obsessed with this. I think I need to just bite the bullet and do it. And I launched my business in October of 2020. I started by taking one of Jess's programs and by... Well, I started as a virtual assistant and I started with like hourly packages. And by February of 2021, I believe I was completely booked out. So that was so crazy because I didn't even realize how quickly you could scale and build in the online space until then, you know? It's really cool to hear your journey of like just randomly finding it and creating this whole business for yourself. And I know something that you've talked about a lot is also that you work particularly with designers and educators and how you started out like just doing that on your own and kind of like transitioning into supporting people who do it. I think that is really awesome. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to really niche in those areas? Yeah, obviously niching is like one of the scariest things that we do in the beginning of our business because like we think it's going to limit us and like basically close a bunch of doors when really it like opens a really big door <laughs> into a really big group of people who you can like specialize in and learn how to work with on a more like close and specified basis. And at the beginning of my business, I basically used the umbrella term of creatives for a while because I knew that I wanted to work with creative people. I just wasn't sure what kind of creative people. I was drawn to some photographers. I was drawn to some coaches. I was drawn to some designers. And my first client ever was a business coach. And while I loved working with her, my second client ever was a brand and web designer. And it's actually our friend Kenzie um, at Kenzie Amitco, who I absolutely loved working with. Oh, no way. That's so funny. (laughs) Kenzie was on the podcast a few weeks ago too. Oh, really? Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Yeah, it is a small world in our little corner of the internet. Yeah, so Kenzie was my first brand and web design client ever. And I felt like something just clicked. I was like, I feel like I get this girl. This girl gets me. We vibe really well together. And I really love supporting her business. Like, I feel passionate about like supporting a brand and web designer in this way. So from there, I was like, this is it. This is the niche. And I changed everything to be targeted towards brand and web designers. And then eventually, of course, Esther found me and the rest is history there. I just want to call out for a second. I did musical theater in high school. I know that like that's so different than doing like musical theater in college. So I know that people who go and like major in musical theater are like amazing. And so quick question, like what are some of your favorite like roles from high school? Because I'm such a theater nerd. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It has been such a while, but in high school, I played Catherine in Pippin, and I love that musical. I think it's a beautiful musical. Um, And that's probably one of my favorite roles that I've ever played. That one. And then a couple summers ago, I got to play Lori in Oklahoma, which is such a classic, like golden age role. And I fell in love with the music of Oklahoma. So just musical theater nerd moment there. I love it. That's awesome. 
I mean, just I'm like nowhere near your level at all, but I was a penny in hairspray my senior year. Oh my God. I always wanted to be penny. I love that. I have literally never felt more aligned to a role with my personality ever. <laughs> so, I see that. It totally fits. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, everyone's always like, how do you feel like theater translates to this? Like, do you feel like you're still using your degree? And I'm like, yeah, I use my degree every day when I figure something out for the first time that I've never done, or I start using a new program or platform. And like, I think one of the best skills that theater people learn is like going into a scene or going into a new song or something and not exactly knowing how it's going to play out from point A to point B, but knowing and trusting that you're going to figure it out along the way. I feel like that is like the biggest skill entrepreneurs develop, especially in the early stages where you're like, okay, I don't know how to file an LLC, but I'm going to figure it out. Just all of the little things that you conquer day to day is like the attitude of, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm sure it's going to. That is such a great perspective. I mean, it's honestly like trial by fire and it's like you're kind of stepping off a cliff. And I don't know, I heard the comparison and this isn't like, this is kind of cliche, but entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on your way down. Yes. I love that. I resonate with that so much. And I think it's so cool seeing like your background and how you're kind of bringing those things in. I majored in journalism in college and I use those skills every day, you know? And so I am so grateful for that degree, but so cool. I also want to say like, I'm just so excited for this conversation because like I should have started hiring out project management. I started hiring out design but then I was like, wait, I mm-hmm. really like doing this and I really don't like the admin stuff. And so like, I yeah. really need to hire out like an admin. And I've worked with VAs in the past. And right now my husband's kind of helped me out a little bit. Um, but I would love to know more about your transition from yeah. VA services with hourly packages to what you're doing now and kind of why you made that transition and how you see yourself kind of as like in the... Uh, organizational structure of someone's business, like a brand and web designer. Yeah, for sure. Also, what you just said reminded me, Like, I'm also so excited for this conversation because I feel like outsourcing the design aspects for brand and web designers is like sort of the closest like stepping stone that feels good and is like one of the most immediate things that most designers I find go to first when they think about outsourcing. But the possibilities are so endless. And I'm so excited to talk more about what you can do as a brand and web designer when you outsource. But to answer your question, I so I was a VA and I was basically doing like everything under the sun for my clients when I first started. I was like doing hourly. So it was really based on their priorities and where they needed me most. And I was kind of a jack of all trades. So I was doing like copywriting. I was doing a lot of social media management. Um, I was doing like admin stuff, email stuff, like client management stuff. And I found that I really gravitated towards the organizational big picture bird's eye view type tasks where like when I got comfortable with clients like Esther, for example, I'd be like, okay, hey, so I'm thinking we could start using Pinterest and start utilizing like all of the content you've already created and make it cross-platform and start implementing all of these things. And I really enjoyed the strategic aspect of that. And like once we built that relationship that was like, okay... Do you trust my thoughts and opinions? Cool, because I think this would help. That was really exciting to me. So I think that was what drove the transition into OBM before someone even presented that option to me, which was 
I believe in March of 2021, I had um, one of my current clients, Jessica Hawks, who was the person on TikTok who got me into this whole thing. She reached out to me and um, asked if I would be her OBM because she was like, I know I'm not in your niche. I know I'm not a branded web designer, but I think we would work really well together. And I'm wondering if you have any availability and if you would be interested in working together. And I was like, hell yeah, because I definitely agreed with all of those statements. But OBM wasn't something that I had thought about or even like started practicing yet. So like starting to add that in bit by bit with my current clients and then Jess was like the perfect transition and the perfect way to go until I was basically helping her run her business. Does that make sense? I know that was like... Yeah. I've always like wondered like kind of the difference between VA and OBM. And so I feel like I got a really clear picture from you. It's like OBM is kind of zoomed out. You're really... It's kind of more you coming to them with ideas and suggestions and more consulting than VA. I feel like it's more task-based. Yeah, for sure. And so how do you do your packages now? I'm like... I'm like shopping right now. (laughs) Yes. No, there's so many. I mean, there's, first of all, there's so many ways that you can go as a service provider. And like one of the easiest like ways in, like windows in is to start hourly. And that's exactly what I did as a VA. I had, I think I started with three hours, five hours and 10 hours per week packages. Um, Now I'm completely service-based. It's completely based on retainer. So it's based on the client and their needs and what that looks like on a regular basis. Love it. So it's kind of how to do like value-based package or value-based pricing, excuse me, which I didn't actually learn about until working with Esther. It's a game changer. Value-based pricing is like, it's literally life-changing, business-changing. It's, I don't know why anybody doesn't do it. It's so smart. Once you started telling me about that, I was like, wait, that's like a no-brainer that no one ever thought of. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious, like for our listeners who are brand and website designers, because there are so many different options, Mm -hmm. how do you really know, especially in the beginning stages, where you want to be or like who you want to work with, whether it's time to work with an OBM or if it's time to work with a VA or a social media manager, how do you know which one to start? Yeah, for sure. It's really tough to know because you're like, okay, I know I'm drowning, but where am I drowning the worst? (laughs) And you kind of have to like, take a step back and look at your business from a bird's eye view, which is so hard to do because you're so like encapsulated and involved in it. But this was actually a suggestion from a podcast episode from Alex Kraling's podcast. It's called Brand High. And um, shoot, I forget the episode name. We'll have to link it in the show notes or something. But she suggests making a list of all of the things in your business that like you're like, okay, this is not as fun for me as it used to be, or this could totally be someone else, or I would love to have an expert on these things. Um, and I would pick like a designated day or even like a week and keep like a notepad next to you or like your notes section open on your, on your laptop. And every time something comes up, you have to do that's like, Ugh, all right, I have to do it, but I don't love it. Like part of being a CEO, um, I would write that thing down. And then after that, once your day or your week is over, I would like take a look at that list and categorize them as if you were to have an enormous team. That's like, okay, if I had a bookkeeper, I would give this to them. If I had a VA, I would give this to them. If I had a social media manager, I would give this to them. And see like where those tasks lie under like your fake team members. And if they're primarily like social media management, you should probably hire a social media manager. If they're kind of dispersed, you might want to look at someone like a virtual assistant. So I think that's maybe the best exercise to sort of initially assess what you need. That is such a good exercise because I feel like I find myself writing down all the things anyways. 
So why not just keep it and then figure out in a month or a few weeks, go through everything and figure out who is the best for you. And I think one kind of piece of advice that I've learned over the year with outsourcing too is you can test things out and it's okay to test things out. Test people, test like the roles and see like if that actually works for you or if you need something different. Because it's not like you're signing a contract for them to work with you for the rest of your life. For sure. I think there's so much value in that. And also like we shouldn't be expected to be jacks of all trades, masters of none. Like there is, it's completely impossible, impossible and unreasonable to expect ourselves to be every person for our business, which I feel like is the first like mindset jump to get over when you're like, okay, I know I need to outsource. And it's almost like a pride thing that's like, okay, my business is my baby, but I also recognize I can't do everything for it. And there may be someone out there who can do certain things that I'm doing maybe better than I'm doing them right now. That's always like such a hard pill to swallow, at least for me. Yeah. And there's only 24 hours in the day too. So like how much more effective could your time be if you were only doing the thing that you were the best at? Like brand and web design. Like I've even been thinking about outsourcing like show it development or whatever. You know, it's like how few hours can I work if I was only doing the thing that I was best at? And you also have to think in terms of ROI too. It's like kind of that balance between like, okay, I'm investing in this, but like that's actually going to allow me to take on another client or that that's going to allow me to work fewer hours. You know, I don't think ROI always needs to be financial. Um, But that's like a huge mindset thing in that like, okay, you're giving up money, but that's not just going to eat into your profit margin. Like that's going to open up space for you to do more visioning or to bring more people on or bring more clients on or reposition yourself or whatever. So I would, I would love for you to speak to that a little bit. Like what, like how should you get past this? Like, Oh, I'm never going to see this investment back type of mindset. Yeah, for sure. I mean, speaking directly to the business owner, like, and from someone who outsources herself now, like I do think that initial adjustment is completely mindset related and scarcity mindset related, right? Like it's, it's kind of a little woo woo for our like, non-spiritual listeners, but like part of it is like law of assumption. Like the idea that like, okay, it's going to work out. Like money flows in, money flows out. Like that is just the mantra for that sort of mindset. Um, And that's like one of the first like hurdles that I had to jump when I was thinking about that. And the second thing is that like sales and like, I guess the financial aspect of ROI is not always going to be immediate. Sometimes like shoot, I forget what the exact like stat is, but it's something along the lines of your audience needs to see your offer something like seven times before, like seven to 12 times before even making a sale. So in some situations, like when I think about my SMM, it's like, okay, she's not going to immediately drive all of these sales. Sometimes it's about planting the seed in the audience and member's mind that is going to make the sale in a month or in two months or in three months, you know? So I think it's partially mindset, partially trust, and partially a little bit of like, okay, I have to be patient about this because it will come back to me. Perfect. Love that. Yeah. And I think too, with working with an OBM, because you are so high level, thinking about like everything from a bird's eye view, you don't necessarily see that right away because it is not transactional. It's more setting the foundation of how do we build your business stronger and better and how can we problem solve for the future? It's not just like, hey, we just need 10 new clients to show up now. It's like, how can we plan for it? It's a long-term thing. It's a long game. Yeah. Like I 
I talk about that with, you know, some of my one-to-one mentorship students where they're, you know, I'm kind of coaching them through networking and reaching out. And I'm like, the seeds you plant today could not come to fruition until three years later. And that has happened to me before with people that haven't been able to invest in my services, but I've still maintained a great connection. And then three years later down the road, they're like, I see you being consistent. I see that your values align with mine. I feel like I know you. Like I'm ready to move forward and pay your your full price or your full package or whatever that looks like. And so like kind of letting go of that assumption, like, oh, I'm never going to see this money back again. It's like when you open up time and space for you to focus on your zone of genius, like that is when that extra time and space you can use to do a lot of that visioning work. And I, I feel like an OBM supports that in a way that a VA doesn't because you're noticing and seeing things that like we can't see. Like we're knee deep in like that client work and the emails and oh, I hope this person's not mad at me and blah, blah, blah. It's like you're able to really just kind of take like, a 3D like spin around view and be like, hey, have you actually thought about this? Because I feel like this could be really high converting for you or whatever. Like I think that type of it's almost like coaching. I feel like that's invaluable because you're never going to see those spots, those blind spots, if you will, without an outside person's perspective who has that experience working with other businesses. Yeah, 100%. And like we can see those little pockets and those little variables that it's like, okay, if we like tweak this a little bit to the right, it could make a difference, you know? And I think just like with any type of outsourcing, it's all about like tipping all the variables in your favor and up leveling your client experience so that it's like of insane value, right? Like any level of outsourcing should be something that like brings your business to a new degree, right? Where you can raise your prices, really. I'm curious when you start working with brand website designers, what do you find are their biggest points of concern when you start working with them? Like, what are they usually really worried about or looking towards? Yeah, I think definitely. So I'm going to like backtrack a little bit and then come back to that question because I think with this question, we have to like understand how most entrepreneurs actually, but specifically brand and web designers get from like point A to point B, point B being potentially needing to outsource. And um, I made a post about this on my Instagram because it's a topic I feel super strongly about. But And we were just talking about it, right? It's like that initial just start phase where you're like, okay, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm along for the ride and I'm going to figure it out. Like You basically are doing so many things on your own and figuring out so many things on your own in those initial phases of your business that like you set up your systems, you set up your email, you set up like all those little things to the best of your ability until you have a fully functioning business. And you're like, oh shit, this is actually working really well. And now I have systems that I set up maybe to the best of my ability that maybe don't suit my business the way that they need to. Or maybe you have so many clients and you're so focused on client work that like your social media is falling to the wayside. And I think like most of us have gotten to that point where we're like, okay, I'm not super proud of the way that I set this up because I'm not an expert in this thing. But if I bring someone into that, they're going to see my jumbled mess on the back end. So it's like, okay, I got to fix this before I fix this. But that's exactly the reason why you outsource. So anyway, back to like some of the main things that I find brand and web designers need assistance with is systems and operations. Like I just said, that's one of those initial things that is like, okay, I can figure this out, like Dubsado, HoneyBook, all of that stuff. I can figure it out and set it up to the best of my ability. But maybe your business grows and expands beyond what your initial packages look like. Or maybe you get into being a coach on the side, or you have a podcast and there are other systems and operations that get added to your regular process that 
you maybe don't have the time to like smooth out on your own. And another one being social media management. That was basically, I was essentially, when I was a virtual assistant, I was essentially a social media manager without marketing myself as that because that was one of the most in-demand services that brand and web designers needed at the time. I You just described me. <laughs> <laughs> I have really not put a lot of energy into my social media because I am knee deep in client work, which is like, that's the goal, right? You know, you would yeah, rather have clients than social media posts. But I feel like the lead and marketing process is a constant thing. Like, if I just like take six months off of social media totally just to focus on my clients, it's like, okay, well, what's the next half of the year going to look like? So yeah, it's something exactly. that needs to be happening in tandem. And I'll be the first to say that social media has really fallen by the wayside a lot of the time. I, I kind of like, I make excuses for it under the guise of like, oh, well, I just, I post when I feel inspired or I I want my social media content to be really authentic, like wink, wink. It's like, well, I'm actually just not putting a ton of energy or resources into it. And sometimes that shows. Like sometimes my inquiries are just really low. My engagement's really low. And I'm like, you know what? What could have happened if I had invested in this part of my business? You know, it's something that I think about really often. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, you are not alone there. My social media completely fell to the wayside because it's so easy when you're focused on like client work to be like, okay, people know people and referrals are like, referrals tend to be like a big source of um, clientele and inquiries for brand and web designers too, because word gets around and people know people. And so that's often when like social media falls to the wayside because you're like, well, I'm getting referrals. I'm getting clients. It's okay. Like I don't need to put my energy in this place. But what if you were to put your energy in this place? Like what would happen if it was if there was consistency in that place? So, yeah, I think that there is so much value in in that. And that was one of the primary things I was doing for Esther as well. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of hesitation to hire because people feel like maybe I'm not quite burnt out enough. Like I can still handle this. But if you think about it, once you do let it go, it's like, yeah, you get that time back and you get to really enjoy the process of your specific skill set and how to really serve your clients well. And then also, if you think about, there's this thing about like waiting until you have hit a six figure mark to then outsource, like waiting until you feel like you've made it to then bring people in. But when you've made it to that point, you don't have time to even like try to think about it anymore. Like at that point, you are way over your head and there's just no more energy left to even interview for a social media manager or try to figure out like how to delegate. Like you need to have that to start, even though it is scary. I am so glad that I started working with Kaylin when I first started my business because God knows where I'd be right now. (laughs) Like seriously. That's so sweet. What if that hire was the reason why you needed to six figure? Not you, but like someone, you know, what if, what if letting go of that money now would be the reason that you actually hit your financial goal at the end of the year? Or what if, you know, like if you're, you know, over, if you're in multi six figures, like what if, you know, the reason that you made that full time hire, you know, or whatever? I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I've been chatting with some friends who are, who are making those full-time hires, which is like, that's scary. That's mm-hmm. like four or 5K a month, you know? Like that's payroll you yeah. gotta make every month. Like what if that was the reason that they ended up hitting half a million or going to seven figures, you know? Like, yeah. And so it's kind of like a dress for the job you want type of situation where it's like, you don't have the job yet, but like you gotta dress like it, you know? 
I think it's so silly that we put these benchmark numbers on things too, or like the I'll do it when blank and I'll do it when blank. And then when, when it comes, you're like, oh, but there's always another but, right? There's always another like reason you can find. But I truly think that like the need to outsource or like when to know that it's time is much more simple than those like benchmarks that we like to place on it. This is a total tangent, but I, it's it's an entrepreneurship thing that ties into actually why, or the things that I think are like signs that it's time to outsource. So um, when I was in musical theater school, we had a guest come in who was talking about, well, it was during a Q&A session and someone was like, I have this job opportunity and it doesn't pay as much and I'm not like, like as much as Sorry, I have this job opportunity and it doesn't pay as much as some of my previous jobs. Do you think I should take it? And she was like, well, I have this rule and I think you can use it to decide. Basically for any job that you could potentially take, there are three reasons that you could take one and it should you should have at least two out of the three things in order to say yes. And they are resume. Is it something that would be really good experience for you? Is it something that would like feel really good and like well-rounded on your resume? Two, is it something that makes you happy? Is it something that fulfills you creatively? Does it like genuinely excite you and bring you joy? And three is money. <laughs> is it is it good? Is it paying you well? Like, is it going to support you during that time? So it's like, okay, you can have happiness and resume if you're compromising on money. You can have money and happiness if you're compromising on resume, you know? And so I think we can apply a similar rule to when it's time to like outsource and like build a team, especially as an entrepreneur. So in my humble opinion, I think you can have two out of three of these things. I think the first one is the means to outsource, which kind of is correlated to like the money of the last three. The means being like, take a look at your budget, see where you're at. Do you feel that this is reasonable for you? Super simple. The second one is the need, which we talked about in a variety of ways. I think there's so many ways that you can identify like the need. One being that there are tasks in your business that are stressful for you or that you don't enjoy or that you feel like you need an expert in that you aren't necessarily an expert in? Are they taking a toll on you in some way? And one more that I might add based on what we were just talking about is you know that you can be making more or scaling in some way or like making more money for your business in some way, but you physically cannot do it alone anymore. So that's the need, right? And then the third one would be the want, which is so tricky because we may sometimes know we need to outsource, but we may not want to outsource yet because we maybe don't want to give control up yet. And that can feel like such a roadblock. But when you're inviting someone into your business, that's really what you're doing. You're inviting them in and you are acknowledging that by having more hands on deck, that is going to benefit your business in some way. And like back to the whole, we can't be experts in everything thing. Like having someone who's an expert in something is going to benefit your business. And even just like from a logical perspective, someone who has the time to do the things that you don't already have the time to do is like by default going to help. So yeah. <laughs> that is so like clear. It paints such a clear picture of what it is like to hire. I want to go back to this thing that you talked about at the very beginning I of like writing... <laughs> But like it was about writing down every single thing and then figuring out how many different people you could essentially hire. Yeah. Like if you were to hire a social media manager and a copywriter and a junior designer and like all of these different things. Right. 
I think that thinking through that as well is super important because it allows you to think in terms of a CEO. It allows you to take a step up and really say, this business can become that eventually. What if I actually was able to hire five different people? Like that would be amazing. And just knowing and having that dream, the goal of like someday I'll have that and just starting with one, it makes it seem a lot less intimidating when you're just like, let me just bring one person in to start and then someday I'll be able to bring in so many more. Right. And it it is kind of like a little bit of a manifestation activity too. Like even if you're not necessarily ready to hire more than one team member or long-term team member, you can look at that and be like this. Yeah. Like you just said, this is what my business could look like. And this is like the degree and the potential that it has. And that's really exciting to look at all at once. So powerful because then you get to step outside of your fears and operate from Mm -hmm. a place of abundance and positivity, you know, and confidence that can be hard to access when you are literally like in knee deep and show it or your illustrator artboards and you're like, there's no way that anyone would be able to write the perfect email to my client because I struggle with that and, and letting go of control. And I know that you mentioned that in yeah. what you were saying previously. I think that's probably my biggest thing that's, that's hard for me to allow people to bring ideas to the table and really allow people to give me like that type of like consulting that I need. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear you speak to that a little bit. Like how would you advise someone who feels like no one else could do it the way that they can? Like what what do you say to that? Cuz this like this is me. Like <laughs> I struggle with it. That is me too. You are asking the wrong person. <laughs> no, but it it really is hard. I've in, I've experienced it myself because this past year was the first year that I outsourced in my business too. And I consider myself to be such a perfectionist. I'm so detail-oriented. I noticed the little things. So I was like, how can I possibly expect someone to learn all of those little preferences and all of those little things that I might adjust? And sometimes we think that like okay, it'll just be faster if I do it myself or it'll just be easier if I do it myself, which is so not true. Like, okay, example task. When I was working with Esther as a virtual assistant, one of the things that she outsourced to me often was exporting assets. And it's like one of those mindless tasks, right? That like kind of is like, okay, you can like turn on a TV show and just do it yourself mindlessly. But when she was telling me about this, I was like, why don't you like hand it over to me? Like I haven't fully done that before, but I'm sure I could learn it really quickly. Like, why don't you, if you have specific preferences that you would like me to pay attention to, do you want to send me a Loom video? And then I can basically just use that as a reference from there on out. And so Esther recorded me what, like a eight minute Loom video or something of her exporting a few assets and how she did it. And I was like, okay, cool. Got it. And then from there on out, she was able to outsource those to me. And from there, it didn't need to be an explanation. It was just, a, okay, drop it in the air table and go for it. And here's the WeTransfer link. Like It's often less of an explanation and less of a time-consuming thing to hand over than we think it's going to be too. And it's all about communication, right? Like, I think the initial like handing over of a task is so scary because we're like, okay... I like things done a certain way and I don't want to seem like the crazy boss who is super particular about all these things and has so many edits and so many things to say. But those that initial like handing over is like the crucial time to be like, okay, I don't 
want to overwhelm you with all these things, but here's how I like it done. And sometimes that's as simple as recording a Loom video to show exactly how you like it or writing down your bullet points. When I outsourced to my SMM, I was so scared that she was going to think I was crazy about even like little commas or like, um, there's those things called widows and orphans. Yes. Yeah. Do you guys know those? Yeah. Yes. I started in, out in, in print design. Yeah. So those bug me too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now every time I see like widows and orphans, I like get triggered, but I introduced her to the concept of those because like that was in some of our initial graphics and she was like, Oh my God, I had no idea about this. And now she like has never done it again. Well, now she's going to be haunted and she can never like not see I've it. I've like traumatized her. <laughs> but yeah, it, and I was so scared to be like, hey, like, how do you say that? But I think there's a way to make it, you know, a compliment sandwich and just be completely honest. And because your online service provider wants you to like the work they're doing. They want you to feel like it's a good match and that you're getting the most out of what you're outsourcing. So communicating is the best way to go. And I think Loom is our best friend. (laughs) I also want to tag on to that, that sometimes as we outsource, it's an opportunity to learn to let go a little bit of like, yes, I can show you exactly how I like it done. But if you figure out a way that makes more sense to you, it's a little bit easier or just overall better. And you come out with the same end product I don't care what you do anymore. Like, as long as it ends up the way that I think that it should, right? Like, and that goes with all the communication too of like, and the trust building, working with each other enough to say, like, hey, I think that I want to try doing it a different way and having the, the guts to be like, okay, all right, like you do what you think is best. And I think too, when working with an OBM, because you are pitching ideas that are not just like, hey, go export logos or hey, like respond to this email. It's like more of a a large scale business operational thing. Then you have to have that trust and you have to be like, you do it the way that you are good at because that's why I hired you. That's why I'm paying you the money to actually come up with these things and so that I can start to let go. Because it is is hard to let go. But all I'm saying is that it just takes time and it's an opportunity to learn that. And from a CEO perspective, nothing is better than having someone come to you and be like, Hey, so I tried it this way and it's actually faster. And you're like, I had no idea. Or like they introduce you to something. Like those are the online service providers to look out for, are the people who suggest things and find better ways and like take action. You know, those are the resourceful people that you want to hang on to. I think there's a certain level of humility that you have to have when you are outsourcing to other people to recognize that like, even though I think no one else can do it the way I can, there's probably people out there who can do it better. And that's something that you just have to like get comfy with, you know, like, like our businesses are our babies and like, you know, a, a misplaced comma in an email to a client, you know, could feel detrimental, you know, but like understanding, at least in my experience with outsourcing, like understanding that there's a learning curve and it's going to take a little bit of time for someone coming in to learn how you like things done. That's where Loom videos and SOPs can come in really handy. But then also like being humble enough and like setting aside ego enough to know that like to open yourself up to the opportunity and possibility that like the way you do something, even if you're really picky about it, like might not be the most efficient way. It might not be serving the goal that you set out to serve. And so that made me think of a question of like, 
what are the qualities of the designers that you work for that you look for when you're like taking on new clients? Like what, how do you like them to manage you? I'm curious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I think some of my favorite clients are ones who have like vision and excitement and drive and like such a picture of what they want their business to be like and are ready for that next step. They just want someone as their right hand to help them get there. And some of my favorite clients like Esther was like, okay, here's what this week looks like. Go for it. Like we'd basically like connect like a week and a half, every week and a half and be like, okay, break, like go off on your own. It's like very like trusting and chill and like we reconnect and it's like, okay, so I did this. What's next? You know? And also the ones who trust your opinion and the ones who want to hear like, okay, I'm thinking of this. What do you think? How can we make this better? Like what's the next step from here? Um, I love... Some of my favorite like CEOs are the ones who don't assume that they know everything and are completely comfortable looking to other people for the answers. Like it goes back to that thing of like, we do not have to be jacks of all trades, masters of none. We do not have to be experts in everything. Like, I think some of the smartest business owners are the ones who are like, I am killer at this one thing. And I think I can probably outsource the rest. It's humbling in a way, but it's also like empowering to see those, those business owners. Those are the ones that really make me excited to work for them, you know? Love it. That was such a wonderful answer. I feel like. We have been only talking for like 15 minutes, but it has, we are coming to the end of our recording here. I wanted to, Kaylin, give you an opportunity to share with our audience kind of about how they could connect with you, any digital resources that you have for designers. And I also wanted to compliment you and your social media manager on your Instagram feed because I feel like that was one of the things that first like attracted me to you when I like found your profile. I don't, we probably connected organically like, Aside, like even before I knew Esther, I was like, huh, I think I might have bookmarked like one of your posts or something, but like it's a vibe, guys. Like, go check it out. (laughs) Thank you. It really is. is Even like it has gotten to like a new level, especially with Kenzie doing your rebrand too. It's just like amazing. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to her. It was amazing before. Is Georgia your social media manager? Yes. Compliments to the chef at it's Georgia Petro on Instagram. She is the master behind the curtain there. I literally had like, I'm not even kidding you guys, like 17 posts up for like the entirety of 2021 on my Instagram. Like I did not post more than like 17 times before I hired this girl. So compliments to the chef, Georgia, and also Kenzie for setting us up with those good, good templates. So good. I love it. Well, yeah. What are the resources that you have on your site and which ones are most beneficial for us? So for brand and web designers, me and Courtney have designed a an Instagram toolkit, which is more specific to virtual assistants and SMMs, but there are a lot of great resources in the toolkit that I think brand and web designers could kind of a la carte pick and choose. Um, one of the biggest ones that I would recommend would be grabbing Courtney's hashtag strategy and my alt text guide. Those two things together are going to help you with reach on Instagram if that's one of those things that you're like doing it on your own, but you're like lost on how to even like get started with doing that research on your own and setting up like a hashtag and alt text strategy because I know those things can kind of feel like mysteries until you get into them. I would grab a coupling of those. I also think that 
One of the biggest things that I implemented with my virtual assistant clients was repurposing content and using it cross-platform because you can get so much out of... Especially like, okay, even with Esther, we would be like, there are designs from clients that were like a concept that you may have gone in a different direction. But I think it's still so cool for your audience to see the development of that. And that may even like draw someone to your design work as well. And that's more content that you have for all of your platforms. But even then, like using content that you've already created for Instagram or content you've already created for your blog, like that is all repurposable on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, your blog, your website. Like there is so much that you can do with one topic and one piece of content. It's insane. So um, I explained how to do all that and more in the content repurposing spreadsheet. I love that. All of it sounds so important, so necessary. And I know, especially from working with Kaylin before, she has an intense process. So just getting a hand on those uh, resources is going to be really important for your business. And Kaylin, can you share where our audience can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Kaylin Sprinkle Co. That's K-A-I-L-Y-N Sprinkle Co. C-O. And my website is just my full name, kaylinsprinkle.com. Love it. Yes, go chat with her. She is amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to be on the podcast with us. We got to learn so much from you. And I know that there's just so much more. We could talk for ages and ages about this. Truly. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was so fun to dive into this. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Our inbox question for today is from Lexi McCarty. And Lexi asks, how do you message potential clients in a way that converts on social media? And Kaylin, I'd love for you to answer this question because you have previously worked as a social media manager. And I think that you have some insight into that. Yeah. It's so tricky because I mean, I think all of us have been on the opposite side of the, hey girly, the like cold DM when you've like never even spoke to the person. And it's like, okay, you're obviously here to sell me something. And that doesn't feel good, right? You're like, okay, where is the, where is the connection? And I think that that like start leading with being connection based is the best way to go into the DMs. Like the first time I messaged Esther, I was like, okay, I was obsessed with Esther, you guys. I was like stalking her so much. And I was like, I really want to work with this girl, but I don't want to come on too strong. I don't want to seem crazy. So I think I messaged you for the first time about like Chicago and we talked about like different Chicago neighborhoods. Yeah, I think we did. Because you were thinking of moving here at first. Yes, I was. And I was like asking her her opinions on the different Chicago neighborhoods and places she's lived before. And that conversation, I think, fizzled out a little bit. And I was like, dang, like I should have transitioned into like talking about working together. But lo and behold, Esther made an inquiry like a week later. So you never know what's going to happen. But I always say lead with connection because that is going to find you the best client relationships to begin with too. Yeah. It's kind of... I know Jen and I have had this analogy so much, but it's like dating because you have to have like an actual connection and you actually have to like put effort into it. It can't just be like, Hey, get come to a date with me. Like that does not hey, work. Let's get married. Like, yeah. Hey, let's get married right now. Like that's not gonna happen. So yeah, having just conversations and like being a real person with them and not even trying to sell like at first. Like I love some of my previous clients. I've just been like, hey, I just really love this work that you've done. I love your products. And it's not even like, hey, do you need a brand designer? It's just like, hey, I really like this. Because you never know whether like who that person's connected to, right? Like they could have lunch with their best friend the next day and their best friend's cousin 
could be needing a brand designer. You know, I've had so many like weird connections in that way. And I feel like it's just, there's never a bad idea to make a friend. I think that's kind of the advice that I give to this question is that like, be friends first. And then maybe things can grow from there. Kind of bridging the gap from the friend to the pitch can be really confusing. But I think that like the way that I would approach if you have a relationship with someone, whether that's Instagram or whatever, you've been like responding to each other's stories. You The question box on Instagram stories is a great way to see if people are interested because it's like a tap of a button versus like an inquiry. It can feel a little bit more of a, a good entry point. But I really think it would just always come from a place of curiosity about their goals. And that is the way that the whole value-based pricing sales process works is uncovering the value to them, being curious about what their goals are. And then then that's where the pitch come, comes in where it's like, hey, have you ever thought about investing in brand identity? Like, do you think that that would even have an impact on your business? Like, is that like almost like a, a friend? It's like, oh, have you thought of this? Like, these are the results that my past clients have gotten and maybe that could be you, you know, like kind of coming from a place of, of wanting to help and wanting to just provide value regardless of whether or not they move forward. I think keeping that neutral energy that we've talked about a lot. Um, I, I talk about neutral energy all the time. Love it. Like whether or not they move forward, it's like, Hey, we're still going to be friends, but like, have you thought about this? Like, do you think that that would have an impact? I feel like that was probably a good way to bridge that friend to potential client lead conversation. Yeah, for sure. And have you guys seen New Girl? Yes. I love New Girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you know Nick's whole concept of the goosebumps walk away? No. Explain it to me. That. I haven't seen that episode in a while. Okay. There's this whole episode where he's talking about like saying goodbye to Reagan and all of these like one-liners that he can drop as he walks away. Anyway, I think that you can't necessarily go wrong with something of a goosebumps walk away if you feel that the conversation is transitioning there. That could be something along the lines of like, hey, I don't know if you're curious about outsourcing this aspect of your business or like investing in branded web design or brand identity. Um, But if you are, I would love to be a part of that conversation or I'm open to any questions that you have about it. Like something along those lines where it's like just dropping it. But obviously once you've built up that banter, like once that connection is established... Sometimes people need to be asked. And I think a lot of times we get scared about reaching out to people or having conversations without knowing that it's going to end in a client because you're like, well, that's my time. But really, your time is going to be worth it. Like having even hopping on discovery calls, like that's super important to set the tone for your relationship and actually get to see if that's going to work out. Like spending time just chatting on social media, it's it's so important. And I know something that has been brought up before too is like sending voice messages. It feels a lot more personal than just text. And I love doing that. I don't do it right off the bat, but you know, once you get into a little bit of a groove, then you can send a little bit longer and it feels like you can actually have more of a friendship relationship. Not saying you have to be best friends with your clients, but like sometimes it helps. I'm a huge fan of the voice memo DM. As you guys know, I think a lot of you, a lot of our listeners will send me voice memos and I love it. So if that's not something that you're comfortable with, you can always send texts and then kind of like Esther said, ease into it. But yeah, I love that. It just like, it makes you feel like more of a person and like less of a business, you know, not that businesses are bad, but like people work with people, like people hire people, especially in one-to-one services, especially in brand identity, which is such an intimate service. So 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lexi, we hope that that is super helpful for you. And if you have any more questions, just drop that in the Facebook group and we can chat a little bit more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Kaylin, for being here. We are so happy that we got to have you. For all of our listeners, as a reminder, if you are a $10 patron, stay on for a few extra minutes in the app to hear Jen and I talk about what's going on in our business some personal and business updates. But yeah, thank you again, Kaylin. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun. Thanks so much for being here. And I'm super excited to chat in the DMs with you now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys can talk about musical theater and oh, all we'll that. We'll be sending voice notes about Oklahoma. Oh, yes. I love it. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.